you like beer? Do you like podcasts? Do you like beer podcasts? Then check out Cracking One Open, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews. Every week, we crack open a new craft beer from breweries around the country. And sometimes the world. We'll talk about how it was made, what's in it, the history of the brew, and the brewery. Then we'll give our tasting notes, and while we're finishing up, we'll talk about some of the latest goings-on in the world of pop culture. So check out Crackin' When Open with Mike and Elise, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds who met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where every week we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. We'll talk about how our relationship with the film has changed over time, how the film builds on what came before it, and forms our understanding of the Force. Finally, we'll provide you with some recommendations for other material you may enjoy if you love these movies. And this week... We're joined by another special guest star whoop, whoop, whoop. from Bohemian Geek Studies. We have the princess of prequels herself. Hello, Seagull. This is such an honor for me. And also, if you hadn't invited me on for this one, I probably would have screamed. <laughs> yeah, when we were when we were talking about this podcast, what it was going to be, who we were going to have on, we Colleen and I looked at each other and said, if we don't have Flo on for Attack of the Clones, she'll kill us. Yep. I mean, Straight our friendship her. would be over. <laughs> you guys talked about Attack of the Clones without me. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't count if I'm not here. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> So this week we are heading straight for the gladiatorial arena to discuss episode two, Attack of the Clones. So, guys, are you ready to take delivery of this clone army? Well. They have been waiting for us Jedi to show up. Hey, as long as there's no sand, I'm in. <laughs> I've never been more ready for aggressive negotiations. <laughs> we know. <laughs> I mean, I am who I am. <laughs> All right, so let's dive right into it. So Attack of the Clones was globally released on May 16th, 2002. Just like Phantom Menace, it was written and directed by George Lucas. On a budget of $115 million, it grossed $310,676,640 in North America and $388,721,588 overseas for a total box office haul of $649,398,328. Now that is nothing to sneeze at. Let's be absolutely clear that's a pretty solid haul but it was not as much as the phantom menace made a few years earlier mm -hmm. and it was also the first star wars movie to not be number one movie of the year in the u.s it fell behind the first spider-man and lord of the rings the two towers and globally it was behind harry potter and the chamber of secrets adjusted for inflation this is the lowest performing live action star wars movie at the box office mm -hmm. I mean, the movies that beat it, I all would watch before yeah, this movie. I mean, that is a stacked year. <laughs> that that is a stacked freaking year. I might, I would probably sacrifice that first Spider-Man movie. I was not a fan of that trilogy at all, and Look, I don't know why people being, like Spider-Man two so much. I love Spider-Man. Imagine 2. being nine years old during this year though, and getting all of these movies at once. Yeah, it was insane. a yeah. time to be a nine-year-old. It was amazing. <laughs> What a time. I was not nine. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was not. So I was, I was like 14. 
so I was 12 so it was a it was a great year <laughs> I think I was 20 yeah. <laughs> all right I don't know about you guys but like for me this is one of the first movies that I actually remember the theater experience of really going mm-hmm. in and being in there I saw this movie three times in theaters in 24 hours I went Friday <laughs> I went Friday night with one of my friends and then randomly, like, my brother took me along with one of his friends to, like, a Saturday matinee. And then I went with, like, my larger group of friends who couldn't go Friday. We all went Saturday night. So I absolutely was obsessed with this movie for that first weekend. You contributed to that box office. That's good. I did, absolutely. Yeah, and I just remember <laughs> that moment where Yoda pulls out the lightsaber. I mean, first him walking in, like, I remember everybody kind of being, like, a few people giggling almost. The meme the for the several weeks afterwards was that he would walk in and everyone would go, Kermit the Frog here. <laughs> <laughs> but then he blow he pulls out that lightsaber and it's the first time I remember a theater full of people collectively losing their minds. Everyone was absolutely into it. And overall, this movie is still fun to watch, but man, guys, this rewatch was tough <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it in a while and I am generally a defender of this movie like this was definitely my number one of the prequels I think it has now slipped to number two just because this might be 19 years of internet meme indoctrination but (laughs) Anakin is just rough on this rewatch (laughs) just Mm -hmm. does not age well I mean we'll get into some specifics around this later I'm I could see Flo just ready to chime in Close ready, close ready this. to go. But there is oh. still a lot I like about this movie. Uh, but in terms of my personal rankings, it has now fallen behind Phantom Menace for me. That's fair. I would say that's where it is for me too. I enjoy some of this movie. Hmm? This the parts that are good are really freaking good. Um, the Camino scenes with Obi Wan and Django are excellent. The actors play really well off of each other. But seriously, there's more sexual tension in that scene between them than between all of Anakin's film stuff. I think they have really good chemistry in Clone Wars, but for the films, like, oh my God, what is happening? But let's be fair, like, Tamar Morrison shows up. I'm going to be happy. He looks so good in this movie, Mm -hmm. Oh, he Very much so. And then Christopher Lee just commands the scene when he comes out. He slays as Count Dooku. I do wish he had more to do besides be snarky to Obi-Wan and Yoda, mm-hmm. but he's still such a presence that it, it doesn't matter quite as much. And then you get him in Clone Wars, so you get a lot more of him. I really noticed the side characters this time, you guys, after all that Clone Wars bitching. It's <laughs> yes. like, not only is Kit Fisto like grinning his ass off through the entire battle of Geonosis, but we have really sassy Joe Castanew chastising Obi-Wan as though he's a freaking idiot. When he's like, what if it's not in the archive? She's like, excuse me, bitch. I thought she was going to like hit him outside the head. Yes. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. And Joe Castanew totally would do that. But I think there was like a Padawan in the background. So she's like, I can't hit Obi-Wan right now. Mm-hmm. I have a job to do. <laughs> and then Barris freaking Offie is in an opening scene <laughs> with her master Luminara. I was like, excuse yeah. me? What the heck is Barris doing here? Oh, she hasn't. I, I uh, she hasn't exactly become disillusioned yet, you know. That's true. Yeah, this is her at her like innocent point, <laughs> and then the council fucks it up. But we'll talk about that at some point later. Mm-hmm. And then I also noticed 
because I was wondering in my research after watching, it's like how many Jedi died yeah. at the Battle of Geonosis? Because I was like, oh, it can't be that many. No, freaking 170 lot. out of 200 Jedi who were there were killed. Yeah, which is like you losing people in a conflict like this when you only have 10,000 of you seems like not a great allocation of resources. But like they said, they're not soldiers; they don't really know how to wage war. Clearly. <laughs> Mm -hmm. not good like mace walks in thinking he's hot shit and then he loses most of his people <laughs> how the hell did this guy become a general mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> shout out to adi galia who led the space forces and they had almost no casualties but then mace okay, windu leading her. the ground and love it mace good job great job <laughs> what do you think daniel <laughs> so i conditionally love this movie um, I really love all things to do with ships. So the Coruscant chase and the space duel that Obi-Wan and uh, Django have is exhilarating. I really like the concept and like ideas of the movie, but the execution is just a little lacking for me. Um, it's the first one I saw in theaters. It came out right around my birthday. So I was so hyped to go see it. And then I remember even as a kid, I was just not into the Anakin storyline. And I was like, oh no, is, this is... <laughs> This is kind of weird, um, but all the action. I was like, heck yeah, this is amazing. Um, this is definitely the one that I've rewatched the least, though uh, I have come across a fan edited copy, which kind of, you know, edits out some of the more extraneous it's like things. like 25 and minutes. <laughs> no, no, it's it's like an hour and a half, I think. Uh, it's, it's a solid. <laughs> it's not the Topher Grace one. Um, okay. I... I I wish I could find that one, but it's it's actually a lot more enjoyable in my mind that way. Um, so if I watch it again, I'm probably going to do it that way. Sorry, Disney Plus version. Oh, man, I've got so much to say right now. <laughs> Just go, flow, let it out. Let it out, flow. All right. Let All it right. flow. <laughs> so in May 2002, I was 11 and I went to the movies and I saw this this masterpiece with um my dad and my best friend who um, are both star wars fans and i just remember i had seen phantom menace in theaters at age nine and it was great it was my first real intro into star wars i had refused to watch the original trilogy before that because i was nine and anything that my dad liked i didn't want to do so i was really excited about phantom menace and i was super excited about this one i didn't really know what to expect and I just remember looking over at my dad in the theater when Yoda came out with a lightsaber and I, he had tears in his eyes and it was huge. Like, it was just like, wow, Aww. this is like, this is a thing. So that was great. And then I mean, Hayden Christensen is really good to look at people. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was obsessed with this movie. I'm still obsessed with this movie. In my power rankings, this is number one of all the Star Wars movies. <laughs> so <laughs> this is the one I have definitely rewatched the most. Um, I rewatched it this week in preparation for this pod. And um, I think my husband was quite impressed that I can quote the entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I don't even need to watch it because I just know every single line and what's going <laughs> to happen next. So it's, it's my favorite. I'm obsessed with it. I just remember 
the weekend after seeing this movie in theaters, I went to Target and I bought the soundtrack, the score, and I like listened to it all the time while doing homework. It was just my favorite thing ever. And if my friends ever wanted to like get me to react to something, they would play Across the Stars and I would squeal like a crazy person (laughs) because it was just so romantic. The score is insanely good. Oh my God. I mean, it's John Williams just went all out on this one. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. I love this one. I love all the cringy bits and it actually rewatches really, really well for me. So (laughs) (laughs) you guys can all make fun of me. It's fine, but we're going to be talking a lot about it. I'm glad you (laughs) find enjoyment. You were at the perfect age for Hayden Christensen to hit like, oh, hello. Mm -hmm. That's like me and Han Solo. I was younger when I watched the original trilogy. So those scenes have more nostalgia for me and are gonna hit harder so it makes I mean sense. this was just like my sexual awakening movie so like I'm deeply mm-hmm. attached to it like when they're in that weird little carriage thing about to like go to their deaths and they're proclaiming their love to each other I'm like this is it if my relationship's not like this I don't want it <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. You know what? I'm just happy that you get all this enjoyment out of it. Like, yes. I'm happy for you. Thank like, you. I love that. Right? I it's like, let happy. people love things. Yes, exactly. exactly. We, we will tease you, of course. Oh, of course. We, As but you we should. know that you love it. Like, of course you love it. I do. I do love it. And, and I can't wait to tell attractive. you about everything I love about this movie. <laughs> so speaking of stuff that we love, there are some special things that we do want to give some shout outs to, starting with our favorite ships. And I want to start with the opening here that Padme's H-type Nubian yacht that comes in at the beginning of the movie. I love the look of all of the Nubian starships. We had the one in Phantom Menace. Now we've got this one. It actually has like the wider wings. It reminds me kind of actually of a B2 stealth bomber, but yeah, not quite. <laughs> and I just think it looks sick. sick. And the uh, the sound effect as it's flying in was really, really cool. Yeah, that's a that's a fantastic one. I really enjoy the yellow. It's the XJ6 speeder. That's what Anakin and Obi-Wan are in when they're chasing down uh, the bounty hunter. I just I love it. It's such a fun Corvette muscle car look, which is a good throwback for George Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoy that. I like that yeah, one too. It reminds that. me, I used to read a lot of the Animorphs books and there was yes. one that was called the Andalite Chronicles that involved a kind of centaur-like alien on a random alien planet, but he finds a yellow Mustang with the top Ooh. down and starts like speeding across the desert planet in it. I mean, You honestly... just made me so happy <laughs> to reference that. I love Animorphs. <laughs> Obviously, this is one of my favorite ships, too, because I would do horrible things to Anakin and that speeder. <laughs> he would like it. He's a little oh. bit of a masochist. Colleen, he would love it. <laughs> Getting freaky in the speeder. That's what that kind of car is for, right? <laughs> I mean, yes. And like just the sass that he exudes in that speeder, like he's feeling himself. He's like, yeah, I couldn't find one I liked. So yeah, I'm all about it. <laughs> I, I do like Anakin and Obi-Wan's relationship in this movie. That part is really cute. And their banter mm-hmm. is really fun, mm-hmm. especially with the speeder thing for Obi-Wan. So the good. entire movie is just baseballing. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I like this one too. The clone gunships, which are called low altitude assault transports, really cool. Like a freaking Black Hawk helicopter kind of thing. So cool. I had a Lego set of those as well. Um, <laughs> I 
I loved these. They were so cool. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And some of them drop off the clone walkers, which mm -hmm. these tanks, these all-terrain tactical enforcer tanks, which have, I think they have six legs, don't they? As they walk yep. mm -hmm. and they are lower to the ground, making them, yeah. in my opinion, a lot more practical than the Adats. But how are going to go big? To <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe having wheels generally would have been more useful. But if you're going to have legs, six of them low to the ground is a little bit better. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I don't know why they keep using the Adats. Honestly, like they've never worked. <laughs> They look badass. That's the only reason. Palpatine's like, they these do. look crazy cool. We're going to use them. <laughs> it's about the vibes. Well, you know what else is all about the vibes? Dooku's solar sailor ship in this for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly, like, it's just visually stunning. Like, mm -hmm. it's amazing. And, like, Dooku is such a rich guy. <laughs> it's like, he's just over here being super sleek, super elegant. Um, it's not like the best ship for what he's doing, which is basically just like running away all the time. Like, man, I hate Dooku so much. I can't even tell you. <laughs> but I mean, he does look great while he's fleeing from literally everything. Mm -hmm. so. He does, but I think mm -hmm. it actually, I think it does help with his um, with his fleeing lifestyle because the fact that it uses the sail actually yeah. means that it doesn't leave like a hyperdrive signature. So it's harder to track. Mm -hmm. Okay, but also, Which is also like, how he's able to get in and out of Coruscant <laughs> with like no yeah. one noticing that the leader of the opposition is just landing <laughs> in the middle of the capital. Well, nobody ever sees anything. So, but I mean, <laughs> okay, fair. if you saw that ship though, like while you were just in space, you wouldn't be like, oh, okay, whatever. You'd be like, um, this is. Oh, a I think you underestimate how much ship. you can actually see in space. <laughs> That's true. That's fair. <laughs> I mean, people who do see it though are just like, oh, that guy's filthy rich <laughs> yeah 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 pirates are like hondo would be like oh i'm getting that ship for real mm -hmm. right which would I be know. a mistake because i just don't think it's like you. i don't think it's very subtle and i think like maybe he should be a little bit more subtle if you're gonna be such a d-bag he's definitely <laughs> not subtle at all you are right to hate him though Flo. i mean he i think it's in the novelization where they say that he's the one who orchestrated anakin's mom's kidnapping and subsequent death yeah, I mean, to help push oh, yeah. to help push Anakin over the edge. He's the, the worst. Like, mm. I'm just saying, I could push Anakin over the edge. <laughs> yeah, you could. <laughs> oh, I'm saying. Okay, okay, next we have the last <laughs> ship we're looking at is the Acclimator. This ship comes right before the Venator class from the Clone Wars. They're kind of proto Star Destroyers and. Basically, anytime you see these kind of triangular looking ships, you can't help but remember that the Empire is coming. Like, <laughs> yeah. these kind of are like, yay, it's the Republic and the Jedi are using them. This is a good ship. And then you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is not going to be good for the galaxy in a couple of years. Just not. Nope. <sighs> All right. Flo, how about some aliens? Favorite aliens, favorite droids? Okay. So I have an obsession with the entirety of the planet of Camino and the Caminoans. They just look amazing. I'm like obsessed with their fit. They're just like always looking amazing. Great, mm -hmm. great look for them. Also amazing furniture. You have heard this on BTS many times, but I stand for the ladle spoon chairs. The Apple All store the of chairs. Yes. They're so sleek. I'm just obsessed mm -hmm. with them. Also, honestly, like Django's pad is pretty sweet. Like, yeah. he's got a sweet mm -hmm. apartment. So the Caminoans know how to live. A little bit rainy, um, but you know they make it work. It's fine. Their skin is like 
pretty waterproof probably (laughs) they're cool (laughs) love them love them they're used to it those cloners (laughs) exactly also they talk great right like welcome Mm -hmm. to camino like it's just like a big spa yes Uh, they're just like the waterfall of aliens they're just great and of course in this movie you don't really get their kind of sinister undertones as much as you do in the clone wars so here you can watch them and be like oh these people are really cool and fun and they just hang out outside the outer rim. Nobody bugs them unless they have a lot of money and need some clones. Well, how could they be bugged? They've been erased from the archives, Colleen. Incredible the mind of a young one is for sure. (laughs) Definitely true schooling. Um, Next we have the assassin droid. (laughs) I love any sort of assassin droid. Let's be fair. (laughs) They're all going to be really cool. Um, The one... (laughs) They're always super useful, and I love this scene too, where Obi Wan just freaking dives through the window. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? He's trying Yelling to keep Anakin up. You know not to take chances. He did what he had to do. Just full flow, flunging himself out the window. Also, isn't that supposed to be like transparent steel, and that's supposed to be really strong? I'm not sure how he got through the window, unless he broke it with the force somehow. But that's fine. Plus the hole that the droid had already carved in it. Yeah, so he could have used that as a cracking point to get through. So I will say, like, I was watching this with my husband, and he made the great point of, like, why wouldn't they just get an assassin droid that could just shoot Padme in her sleep instead of depositing centipedes? Like, I I guess they were trying to be more covert, but yeah, for real, like, just shoot her or something. Yeah, (laughs) does not seem effective at all, but whatever. I mean, it gave us Anakin jumping on a bed and like straddling Padme. This is not the the movie of great plans. Let's let's just say that. Yeah, no, it's not. not, You're right. (laughs) So, I want to call out uh, our guy Dex. Obi-Wan's Bessilus buddy who runs the diner, but is also very suspiciously knowledgeable about the underworld. He's got just like a whole cool vibe about him. And obviously without him, we will not get the impeccable Clone Wars Jedi Master Pong Krell. <laughs> Shouts the best friend of Joe the Warner. Jedi Order. <laughs> yes, the best of the Jedi Order. <laughs> who absolutely values oh, the lives of his clones. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. The most well, loving general you'll see. ever find. Well, if anything, you do need to watch those episodes because Ponkerel mm-hmm. is a whole mood. <laughs> yeah, write those down for me for sure. The only thing I'll say about Dex, I also love Dex, but like the man needs pants that fit yeah. or a belt. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I hope he is washing his hands. Yes. Thank you. Right. This like food safety is tops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Though, if Disney Plus wants to give us a whole show about Dex's diner, I would watch it religiously, like every week. Oh, 100%. You know what? Now that you just said that, like, I just realized that Dex kind of is like the space Guy Fieri. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. For real. Right? Right? Dex is kind of. He needs to go around Coruscant in a red speeder, just going into other diners. Please give us this show. I need it immediately. <laughs> oh man. Well, speaking of speeders, I, I've gotta I've gotta say our speeder driving amazing badass assassin, Zam Wessel. Uh, she's a Claudite, so she can assume any humanoid form because she's a shapeshifter. 
uh, which was like, that's amazing. We've not seen stuff like that in Star Wars before. So that was that was a cool revelation. Uh, and her final words, I just finally found out on this uh, run through. She says, bounty hunter slime ball, because she immediately knows. She's like, ah, damn it, Django. You had to go and shoot me. Right. That was like, great. I, you can tell she was like, she's a good bounty hunter, but she's not like a true hardliner. She's up there. Mm-hmm to hide secrets she doesn't care she's like no just please let me go like mm-hmm. uh, you already Django cut off my there. arm like come on yeah she did spill the secrets like pretty fast <laughs> she mm-hmm. was just like uh yeah mm-hmm. no we're fine just- yep. <laughs> just so that was that anakin probing her with the force a little bit like when he hmm? when he leads in <laughs> was he probing her with the force a little bit when he leads in he's like tell us tell us probably, now probably a little bit and she's already weak from her wound, so it probably worked better, too. <laughs> Everyone who cannot see us flow is having a moment. I think I'm, I'm having a little bit of an aneurysm right now. As Anakin probed her with the force. I mean, he is attractive. Those freaking girls in the club were like, hello. They, they all, I noticed that on this rewatch. They all turned. They were like, damn. Okay, but the one thing that we need to address is that, okay, obviously the Padawan braid, not good, but that little rat tail (laughs) thing that they have to do in the back as well, get it out of here. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. My word. I will agree fully with that take. While we're here in this like weird cantina thing, can we just talk about the amazingness of those big screen TVs showing different alien sports? I'm obsessed with that. Like I am just here to go clubbing in Coruscant with Anakin. That's the robot dream. football. Yes, yes. so, so good. fun. <laughs> so good. Oh my god! I hope they're being paid well, <laughs> which we know they definitely are not. Yeah, they're definitely um, yeah. one last one. Honorable mention. They're not really aliens per se. Uh, they definitely aren't droids. They're not droids. Shout out to the clones. Yeah. We don't get much personality yet out of them, besides knowing that they're basically like Django, but not quite as independent. At least right. that's mm-hmm. what the Kaminoans say. But mm, they save the day here, you guys. I was always And we love them because they're all unique and and yes, special in their own I way. Was... We love these clones. Mm-hmm. I was always a little disappointed that they have that one when they're all in like the cafeteria and they have the one who looks like so dissatisfied and looking up yeah. and that moment never pays off. Yeah. They never go back to that. I was like, you were totally planting the seed for like clone rebellion or something. Who do we, it, who do we think that is? Is that Rex before he dyes his hair? Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's fives. It could be fives. Although I don't know how old fives is as opposed to Rex. Uh, no, actually, no, because I think Rex and Fives were all part of the batch that was uh, that were created after they ran out of material from Django, I think. I would have to look back. I know Rex and Cody are older because they went through the officers tract before some of the other ones, but I would have to look. They're all around the same age. They are. Made. Ultimately, they're all around time. the same age. <laughs> yes. But it would be it would be super interesting to because that Clone obviously is like, what the frick am I doing here? Yeah. We all look the same. What is happening? (laughs) I do feel like this movie needed to give people who like weren't totally like into Star Wars yet more of an understanding of these clones. Because I remember like knowing that stormtroopers were like the bad guys. 
And then all of a sudden, like them not being that, like it was really confusing to me. So <laughs> just yes. like, wait, what's happening? And why are they in a ship with Yoda? And I don't know what's happening. So that, that <laughs> yes. was like the only real confusion when I was 11. Yeah. Just another precursor to the empire showing up. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I get it, obviously, but <laughs> I want to be clear. I'm not confused now. <laughs> when you're younger, yeah, you're kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah. All right, so now it's time for the part of the show where we talk about our untouchables <laughs> and unbearables. What is perfect about this movie and what doesn't quite work? So I want to start off with an untouchable that is actually a small moment in the movie, but this on this rewatch, it hit me just a little bit different because I was able to relate to it a little bit more. And that's the moment where Obi-Wan goes in and he asks Yoda and ultimately the class of younglings for help trying to get the answer to where, what's going on with Kamino, why isn't it in the archives? And within, you know, 10 seconds, the kid is just like, someone erased it. That's obviously the thing. So number one, this time it hit me a little different because now I actually started thinking about the fate of every youngling in that room. (laughs) Yeah. I thought about that too on this rewatch and it was really sad. But also just in my professional life, I have had that moment where you or someone you know is working on a problem and they, especially with computer code, I had a friend once who was trying to get something to work. He had been looking at it and tweaking it for like three hours and it wasn't compiling and running properly. And finally he called me over. He's like, look at this. Tell me like, I'm not crazy or whatever. I took a look at it. And within five seconds, I was just like, you're missing a semicolon right here. He put in that one little semicolon and the whole thing just ran fine. And having just, number one, being willing to ask for help mm-hmm. and having someone like point out the obvious was just a really nice little moment. And then the main one for me, this movie for Untouchables is pretty much from the end of Anakin and Padme's kiss in that chariot thing, from the end of the kiss through like the end of the movie, the whole ending thing, the gladiatorial battle, the arena, Everything about that, Padme just being a boss, like getting herself out of the chains. And then when she gets the Mm -hmm. blaster, she's just so precise in her aim. She never misses. Again, George Lucas kind of felt bad that she never gets to pick up a lightsaber. So he gave her like perfect aim, just like Carrie Fisher (laughs) as Leia. And then we move to the duel in the end. Seeing Anakin dual wield those lightsabers, seeing Yoda pull out his lightsaber and fight for the first time was just like the coolest thing I had ever seen. And they do it very well in this movie where they don't overuse that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He has that like kind of jumping, flipping style, but it doesn't last for too long. And I do like how Dooku is trying to manipulate relationships. Mm -hmm. Like he knows that, of course, you're not supposed to have connections, but he keeps bringing up Qui-Gon and <laughs> it's very yeah. obvious why he's Oh, and Dooku's that. lightsaber too. The oh, curved yes. fencing blades that he has. Mm-hmm. So, two, so cool. <laughs> it's my favorite lightsaber design for a reason. It's so cool. His style, how he duels, love it. Uh, other than that, uh, my untouchables for this one, I'm going to give a shout out to our guy Jimmy Smiths for being in this movie. The only human being who has the potential to even come close to being as effortlessly cool as Harrison Ford. So shout out to all the West Wing Hive out there. 
<laughs> he looks but really remember, good in that bulky knit too. i just like, remember nobody seeing, can wear a bulky knit like, i just remember seeing him and me and my friends were all like dude it's jimmy smith's holy crap mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> just love seeing him and whatever he said uh and my last one i want to give a shout out to george lucas for <laughs> whether this was a direct response to internet trolls or because you thought that this was going to be the thing from the beginning <laughs> Having Jar Jar Binks be the be the guy who puts in the emergency powers resolution that effectively <laughs> lays the groundwork for the Clone Wars and paves the way for the Empire is just one of the most chef's kiss perfect moments, middle finger to internet trolls ever. <laughs> I think this is the craziest take I've ever heard from you, honestly. And I have heard a lot of crazy takes from you, but I am a Jar Jar apologist from Phantom Menace. <laughs> like, I actually really like Jar Jar. I thought he was funny as a nine year old, but Jar Jar as a senator is ridiculous. Like, the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. And Padme just like bestows this on him, like, right before like she leaves. She's packing her suitcase. She's like, by the way, you're the senator. Like, what? Great, just like, crazy. Okay, yeah, no. Madam that Senator, let's part. sit down, let's talk. Why are we going to put Jar Jar there? Can you run me through uh, what's his resume? <laughs> Why are we thinking this? Um, does he have job history? I mean, that's part of the resume, but I just really need to stress that Jar Jar does not have the ability here. What are we doing? I mean, thank you, right? Like, was there an interview process for this? Like, no, this is horrible. Are there only two people on Naboo? Like, I don't understand. Like, pick anybody else. Right? Like, leave him on Naboo. He may cause damage there, but not as much damage as this. I mean, mm-hmm. they let 14-year-olds be the queen. Honestly, Naboo has a problem. Like, I am the ambassador from Naboo, but, like, I... I'm having a problem with my I do home believe planet right I, now. <laughs> I forget. I forget if Padme herself appointed him or if actually the Gungans chose him because it was a thing to add a make sure a Gungan was in the delegation like after the events of Phantom Menace. Yeah, you have your senator and then their close people and then the Gungans. And I forget if it was Padme that picked him or if it was the Gungans who were like, "You like you like the Naboo people already. Yeah. You go ahead." Yeah, it's an established relationship. So in that way, it makes sense. But he is not. <laughs> I mean, not if that choice. is from the Gungans, like freaking tough look for the Gungans for picking like their absolute most doofus Gungan to be their like representative. That's crazy. No, no, no. Yeah, this was the yeah. craziest take. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> Just, no. I do then, like that he is the one that starts it. Exactly. That's, I'm not, I'm not, like, I'm so not defending the choice to make him a senator. I'm just defending the absolute like perfect Goal. irony of yeah. everything. The gall of George Lucas of having him introduce that resolution. Like, oh, y'all hate Jar Jar? He gonna start the Clone Wars, <laughs> bitches. And without that moment, we would not have the Darth Jar Jar theory. I was, I was about to say that, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and then my main unbearable from this movie, I mean, I'm sure I'll chime in on some of your guys's, but so in Phantom Menace, they stopped building all the sets at like head height and filled mm-hmm. everything above that digitally. For this one, I'm pretty sure unless someone had to physically touch it, and even then, not every time, they just didn't build sets. And it shows. The wider the wide shots in this movie, for the most part, just don't look good. They didn't really hold up by 2003. And it just 
it was it was it made it harder to watch yeah i mean i have to agree with that take actually even in the first like minute when that nubian starship comes in it was like this doesn't look good mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it was just like yeah. like the the lighting was weird on it like the, you could just tell like it looked more like a video game in a lot of places than a movie and that mm-hmm. was distracting i feel like i obviously like ignored it in o2 because we didn't have the tech that we've got now anyways right. but like it it doesn't hold up super well for sure i feel like definitely some of like the alien cgi looks better but certainly yeah the, like, yeah the, the the wider lens shots like you're saying were were rough mm-hmm. I- i'll give you that one okay that's the only one i'm competing <laughs> to <laughs> well it's so hard too because if you think two towers came out at the same time yeah and that cgi is pretty much untouchable christopher lee killing it in 2002 yes he's just uh-huh. like put me in all the things <laughs> i will be in all of the things why isn't he not you need Potter? a villain i'm there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. somebody who's tall and can fill a space and has this voice like mm-hmm. we will take you christopher lee we love it um <laughs> i'll start with my unbearable <laughs> the title uh-huh. <laughs> thanks i hate it <laughs> no like, who workshopped this with George? Who was there in the room when he was like, you know, it sounds like a great idea. Attack of the Clones. Like, what? <laughs> it did sound like a great idea. Are you kidding me? Oh I think it God. still sounds like a great idea. Oh, man. Whether or not it was title. executed well is, is a totally different thing. But the title sounds cool. Oh, the title's so bad, you guys. <laughs> it's so bad. I mean... If that it's called like... Attack of the Clones, you think the clones would be attacking yeah. the Republic. Yeah. It's just yeah. like mm. I I don't I I, I mean don't okay care for so the let's name. hear it Colleen like what would you have called this I've thought about this and like I've come up with pages of possible titles mm. and it's like well of course you want it to be the Clone Wars like that is kind of what yeah, people that were would thinking was true. coming was the Clone Wars it could have been something like Rise of the Empire or mm. it could have been Rise of Jar Jar Binks <laughs> it couldn't know. have been Rise of the Empire that doesn't happen until <laughs> the next movie. I know, but like something else, what like Attack like- of the Clones just is clunky. It doesn't really have much to do with the movie, mm-hmm. especially when you had something so cool sounding as the Phantom Menace. Like that That's true. was like short mm-hmm. and sweet and it has the good buzzwords in it. Like Attack, they could have even done something else with Attack, but the clones are not even attacking until the last right. second of the movie. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I... I don't know what they could have chosen. I'm sure there was like a whiteboard full of titles. And then George just went up and circled Attack of the Clones and was like, that's it, guys. That's the (laughs) title. And they were like, George, but that was just one of the ideas we were working around. And he's like, I love it. We're going with it. I think I would call this movie Eating Pears by the Lake. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes, that would have been amazing. I mean, that's the best part. So, <laughs> could have been called Jedi hubris for God's sake. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> oh my gosh. And also, who in the Corellian hell thought that it was a good idea for Anakin to be Padme's protector when she leaves? It was that me. Was, I believe uh, that was Yoda. <laughs> right? It's like, I think it was kind of a test. I think they were testing him and he failed, <laughs> according to them. I mean, he failed according to what the council would have wanted him to do. But that's just cruel. 
That is yeah. like mm-hmm. really cruel. Cause they, especially Obi-Wan knows that Anakin has got the feels. Obi-Wan I was actually wondering dumb. about this though. So Obi-Wan knows, but does that mean that the rest of them know? I think that they know that they have a connection, which is probably why, oh, this will be easier. She'll be comfortable with him. They know Anders. each other. But Yoda, Yoda should yeah. be knowing if he's given off all this forced lust energy, probably. If they can't sense this when they can see it with the their dark eyeballs, side clouds everything. You know what? This is not dark side shit right now, Anders. This is very, very, very good. Okay. I mean, so- this is just being in a room and going, oh, that's a horny 18 year old. Yeah. Over there. Yes. yeah. It's mm-hmm. obvious. And like, she's hot. Like, why yeah, would you hot. put like your youngest, hottest Jedi with the youngest, hottest senator? Like, that's just a recipe. It was the easy choice for them at the time. It was. And if it was part of a test, that makes sense, too, because the Jedi fucking love these ridiculous tests. I mean, all I'm saying is like the Jedi Council have never been camp counselors because they would have never done this because no. there would have been like a lot of pregnancies. Padme yeah. would have had a lady yes, Jedi. Exactly. I mean, Barris, Barris is there. Let Barris go with her instead. Yeah. Oh, I just can't with that choice. But I mean, they had to because plot and you need them to fall in love in some way. Um, moving on to my untouchables. I loved Tamar Morrison as Django Fett mm-hmm. and all the clones. He adds this interesting presence. He was a, an interesting choice as like a man of color and someone from New Zealand. Like they didn't pick somebody from England or they didn't pick somebody from the United States. Mm-hmm. Like a very inspired choice when you look back on it. Like, yes, get after tomorrow Morrison for everything you guys. I love I Obi-Wan love being voice. a dare cop. Oh yeah, his voice is fantastic. I love it. The, I literally uh, think the only other thing I had seen him in was Speed 2 at this point. <laughs> he plays one of the cruise directors. <laughs> Speed to cruise control. Oh, that should yep. have been added to our recommendations for bad sequels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a terrible movie. Uh, Obi-Wan being the dare cop, I'm here for <laughs> with the death sticks guy. It's like, make good choices. <laughs> and no, I will not acknowledge the death stick guy's name because it is just as bad as the title attack of the clones. I didn't <laughs> know he had, he a, had name. a name. It, yeah, he does. <laughs> Everyone has a name always in every scene. <laughs> Wait, I'm everyone in that bar name. has been named. Okay, I'm guessing his name is like Chad Stickerman. <laughs> I feel like that guy's name would definitely be Chad. That would have been a better choice for his character's name. Fine, I will tell you, Flo, it's Sleaze Bagano. Just- <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, what? It is what? Sleaze Bagano. No, it's name. not. You're yes, lying. Yes, it is. I have not lied to you. <laughs> wow. That is, is the best thing I've ever heard. It's so bad. <laughs> Once again, I had just pulled it up on Google way. when you said that. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Oh, no, no, you're right. And that is his awful. name. Wow. Okay, well, I'm going to call him Chad from now on. So you yeah, can too. He's, he's totally, he could be a Chad. Uh, next, this is kind of a combo, untouchable, unbearable for me. We have to talk about Mace Window, you guys. Mm. <laughs> mace i love samuel l jackson he is an amazing performer he gives mace that kind of right amount of edge for a usually stoic jedi to have Mm -hmm. i love the purple lightsaber and i love the story behind it where samuel's like i just wanted to see myself on the field (laughs) he's like give me a cool colored lightsaber george and george is like done purple and And he was like it works for him i think the other part of that story was also just like everyone was like oh do you want to be blue or green he's like well Mm -hmm. can i have purple 
and like just no one had ever asked before to have something other than blue or green and they right? just kind of assumed that those were the only choices and george is like different colored lightsabers ding <laughs> see it helps to work with other people george um i do like that it's like mm-hmm. that balance of red blue with light and dark because that's what mace's character is supposed to be about a pod yes the mm-hmm. pod, his style uh he's a badass in the battle of geonosis like he he looks great in this battle, even though his leadership skill is probably not great with that death count. Uh, but he's one of my least favorite characters, you guys. Mm. Mainly, oh, yeah. he's inflexible. His disbelief, just like outright disbelief that the Sith are active. Like, that's not possible. And when he's like, Dooku's a Jedi, he would never kill anyone. And I'm like, shut up, Mace. <laughs> yes, he would. And then his open contempt for Anakin not as much in this movie, but going forward. And from The Phantom Menace, he was a dick mm-hmm. to a oh, nine-year-old. Like, yes. seriously, yeah. rein in your hubris a bit, Mace. Oh, I just like, mm. I will say, Mace, in the, at the start of the Battle of Geonosis, that is where, you know, it, it goes around the internet every, like, couple of months or whatever. Insert, like, one F-bomb into, yes. into a movie because you can do it with, without getting an R rating. That's absolutely where I would do that, where he's just like, this party's over, motherfucker. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He he has great energy. Like, Sam L is so good as Mace. Mace, the character, just pisses me off. Yeah. Like, his intractability mm-hmm. is one of the main reasons that the Jedi Council is so ineffective. Like, him and Yoda. I'm looking at you too, Yoda. We, <laughs> we will be talking about you later. But, mm, yeah. Oh, man. Mace Windu. What a guy. Uh, so... My untouchables, I'm going to go, like I said earlier, that speeder chase through Coruscant is just so thrilling. What a way to start a movie. Like you're going, chasing through, they're like whipping in between other speeders. I mean, they've got the, at one point, they go through the power line area. There's a lot of cool variation to it. Um, So I'm just, I'm a junkie for anything like that. Give, Give me all of the speeder chase scenes. Um, and plus, you get a good dynamic between Obi Wan and Anakin. Like, I think that's some of their strongest scenes in this movie. Is like you can tell that they have a good, like, an actual working relationship in that moment. They um, do. I will then, say though, there's there's a couple of moments there where it's like, it, to quote Colleen from another episode, "Where was the editor?" <laughs> like, they're having mm-hmm. a conversation back and forth. And it was like, it's like really obvious that they like shot coverage of Hayden and then they shot coverage of Ewan and they just Mm -hmm. left an extra couple of second pause between the lines Mm -hmm. for the transition. And it just like, it makes the whole thing so awkward. (laughs) Could have been snappier. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Now also that space battle with Django in, uh, in the asteroid field is so cool mm-hmm. uh the first time we get to see those seismic charges which i loved seeing those get a return later on <laughs> Flo um, loves I mean, those. you guys already know yes. i am a slut for seismic charges <laughs> yeah <laughs> check out our uh, check out the bohemian geek studies coverage on mandalorian season two for flow's full takes on those seismic charges I, I mean, I go it's the most bro. fun sound <laughs> mm-hmm. it's yes. so cool i 100%. love i love the sound now, I will uh, give a little bit of praise, like a, a little bit, to Hayden Christensen, because he's not as bad as I remember here. No, um, like, not. during the speeder chase, uh, like he's a little bit charming. Like, he's 
he's got his moments in this movie Mm -hmm. and i just i feel bad for hayden christensen because Mm -hmm. i think if the storyline was written a little bit better he had a little bit better dialogue i think he would have been better received um but it's just that's a such a rough way for him to get introduced to the franchise um i mean he is the weakest of the actors in my opinion but i think he just wasn't served up the right material um right. if he had if that. he had been in for all three movies i think it might have been easier for him because you see he gets better in revenge of the sith mm-hmm. i think if he had had a, like a, another movie to be more comfortable in i don't know i, I hayden kirchenson's not as bad as i thought and i was surprised by it he had um, he had the, much better moments that I remember. There are just he gets into mm-hmm. creeper territory, and this again he is, does. is kind of the scripts. But like that, when Padme is like, "Dude, you're making me uncomfortable," and he has that like head down, eyes up. Sorry, my lady. Is <laughs> like it is like straight up. You are going into like predator territory at this point. So you too. know what like, that. That brings up a good point, actually. Uh, I noticed he portrays like things like that, the kind of creepy, possessive territory. He portrays that very well. He also portrays the rage very well. Uh, like yeah. when rage, he goes yeah. to get his mom during the Tuscan Raider scene, he's full of rage. I think if they had found a little bit more ways for him to be expressive, because I know, you know, Jedi, you're not supposed to be expressive, but Hayden had some good expressive moments they should have utilized that more yeah. so yeah he acted I kind of really just, well at the end too like yeah he, i he think in the do. end he's i i hope he gets some sort of redemption with this obi-wan show he will um, it just the fandom yeah. needs to give him that chance yeah because i think so many people wrote him off from this movie and mm-hmm. are just like oh haha hayden christensen's like no, like he kind of did what he could with what he was given. Yeah. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I really liked it, obviously. Like I didn't <laughs> see it as creepy. I'm kind of like into the possessive thing, but that's just my kink. <laughs> that's fine. Um, well, you do you. That Padme good is for too, you. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Just me and Anakin by a fire on Naboo. Everything's fine. <laughs> I'll be in my like bondage dress like Padme. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she she was uh, wearing a little bit of leather there. Uh, okay, we see you, Miss Padme. It was like a full. Leather oh, she was dress. like. <laughs> she was ready to go to Folsom. She was all in. I mean, um, all I'm saying, Anders, is she didn't have to go that hard if he was really creeping her out. <laughs> like that's all I'm saying. Yeah, the murder of the well, Tuscan village would have definitely turned off most people. <laughs> yeah, yeah as opposed like, oh, to yeah. causing a deeper embrace. <laughs> So I'm glad you brought up that ho- the Tuscan village again, because now that I've said my nice things about Hayden Christensen, it's time for me to savage Anakin as a character because he is basically all of my unbearables. Um, why the hell are we sending Anakin and Padme to Naboo to go undercover? Why are you sending her to her own planet? This is a dumb plan. Who came up with it? I There's no way that they let Anakin plan this. Like, that's just so dumb. Yoda. I don't know who thought this. Um, and then they go no, to No, it was Padme's. Mace, wasn't it? Ma- Mace It was Yoda. Mace. Of course Mace and Yoda did. But still, like, Anakin, Padme, one of you, can't you be like, hey, maybe that's not a good idea. It's just so goofy to me. And then they go to her parents' place. 
Yes. Which I, that is actually a deleted scene, which I'm upset that they cut out because it's one of the few romance scenes that actually works for me because it's mm-hmm. her and her parents talking about it. And there's a little bit of flirting going on. And then Anakin goes outside and her parents kind of gently roast her about uh, how they can tell they like each other. And it's, oh, it works. Oh, I want it in the movie. And wait, it's wait, those, it should like, have been in the movie. Yeah, it should have been in the movie. It was we a good scene. We need to pause recording right now because I have not seen this and I am <laughs> freaking out right now. <laughs> what? It's a great scene. Yes. So in the fan edit that I watch, they put that scene back into the movie. Okay, I'm going to need and a it's... link immediately. Okay, I can. Immediately following recording. Flo I can find you that and get you that again. I will but... record a video of my face just watching it. because yeah, I know I'm going to agree with you, Daniel, because it's those scenes. It's those scenes where it's a little bit more lighthearted. There's not as much pressure with this super quote unquote intense dialogue that yeah. Padme and Anakin, that that chemistry actually does kind of come through. The scene where they're in like the fields and you know, Anakin mm-hmm. may be getting into a little bit into fascist territory, but yes, yeah. he says a fascism and then and then they but flirt they, and it's they nice. play off each other actually decently well, like in that scene. Um, and I mean, while we're on the topic with the plan for traveling as refugees, quote unquote refugees, Padme sure has a hell of a lot of jewelry and some pretty nice ornate clothing. <laughs> That she's wearing on that transport. Yeah. Padme said refugee, but make it fashion. That's- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the headdress is like preposterous. I definitely noted that in this rewatch. I was like, what? And like, he's wearing like stained poncho things. And it's just like, why? What is happening here? They do not go together at all. But that's They bad. look so mismatched. It's yeah. so funny. She's like, look, I will be a refugee, but I will refuse to to not serve a look. Like, come on. Yeah. She's like sashaying uh, which, on this like transport. Yeah. She, yeah. I love it. I actually love that. Good for Padme. Um, dress up however you feel, mama. I love it. Um, so Anakin feels a bit wasted in the prequels to me because we have to get reintroduced to him as a character in this movie mm-hmm. because like you have Jake Lloyd and he's nine-year-old Anakin and okay it's 10 years later here's 19-year-old Anakin completely different person uh I mean he, he has a little bit of the same personality but it's 10 years later it's he's a completely different um I I feel like we needed to have three movies with him fully yeah. as an adult or something and like because I noticed the romance goes too fast for me in this if, if we had had yeah. Padme and Anakin as like crushing on each other the whole first movie yeah. in a non-creepy way, like as two teenagers or something, and then they get reunited again in this movie and the romance really kicks off, that would have paid off way better for me. Yeah. But then it's like, hey, I get reintroduced to you and then boom, we're in love. Yeah. And like, ah, it just didn't Truly, go- deeply. Yeah. Yeah, but and I'm just like I'm haunted said, by like, the kiss you should never have given me. Like, yeah, what? that was oh, that's God. not a good bad dialogue, what? George. Bad dialogue, <laughs> George. Bad, bad, George. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's oh, just man. it's sad because like I I like the general plot of this movie, like an attempt on Padme's life. It sparks investigation. They get brought back into each other's lives again, mm-hmm. um, and then they uncover this the the whole. Um, 
the word I'm looking for is escaping me. Uh, the Clone plot. Wars is going on. <laughs> the plot. Thank you. The scheme. Schemes and the, the trickery going on. Um, like that's all fascinating. I, it's a great idea for a movie. The script just didn't deliver the scope of the story. Um, yeah. I kind of it like just kind of feels back. like we should have started around here. Yeah. I mean, I, I do. I agree. I definitely agree with wanting three movies of, you know, Hayden and Natalie for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. My issue mm-hmm. is like, if we got anything before this, like if we got something between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. I feel like we would have been really icked out with their age difference because like, even if we got like 20 year old Padme, that's what 15 year old Anakin. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I feel like yeah. that would have been like, yeah. he, he would have needed to have been, he would have needed to have been like 13 in the Phantom Menace when she was yeah. 14, like that they would have needed exactly. to be. Yeah, they that's needed, they needed to reduce the age gap for sure. I think like that's one of the main issues and why we couldn't get that because anything before mm-hmm. this would have been icky because he's barely legal at this point you know right and now that like, he's finally legal like now we can put them back together yeah i mean like now it feels like less weird that he's 19 and she's like 24 or whatever but yeah. the difference when they were younger was pretty intense mm-hmm. you know yeah. it, it eventually ends up not mattering like whatever it's fine five right. years is not that big a deal but yeah. like <laughs> yeah, yeah when you know if they ever made it to 30 and 35 it wouldn't have been a big Oof. deal but yeah it's like oh no big deal right (laughs) oh man that's sad (laughs) we've made ourselves sad yeah it happens every time all right Flo you're up untouchables okay so my number one untouchable is just the score the score is incredible Mm -hmm. John Williams really went hard for us we'll never be able to repay him for this um like i said before across the stars is my number one favorite piece of score ever um only followed probably by like hedwig's theme from harry Mm -hmm. potter um john williams is just the goat i'm obsessed with him um the Mm -hmm. score is currently still on my phone like if i ever want to (laughs) listen to it it's there and i just i think it was one of like the first albums i ever like bought with my own money was this soundtrack (laughs) so it was it was a really big deal I mean, I'm it is sorry. fantastic. So. Oh my god, it it's just so good. Like it, the music just swells, and oh man. Okay, um, my next untouchable. Obviously, nobody agrees with me, and that's okay. <laughs> but <laughs> but Anakin and Padme's romance is just like the epitome for me, and I don't even care how cringy it is. Like he can cut all the pairs for her <laughs> using the force. <laughs> Um, yes, he's haunted by the kiss she never should have given him, and their love will destroy them. Which, let's anyway. be fair, she did not give him that kiss. He went in for it. She kissed him back, bro. She, Don't she even at me. A she little kissed bit. him back by the lake. Oh, she absolutely kissed him sure. back. No, she kissed him back. But definitely. He, he went in first. He went of in course first. He went in like, first. That just... was that was one long kiss. Bro, okay. look, I love it for you, Flo. I love let's, it for you. Let's get real, team. Is he allowed to touch himself? Is he? I need to I know think this so, because it's like a stress yeah. release thing. So is he? Okay, great. But if he was not, because I'm sure he doesn't get to as much as he like probably would if he was not a Jedi. Like that guy needed some loving by the lake. That's all I'm saying. And she kissed him back, and that was totally her right. And 
that's it it was just so great team honestly it is also it is definitely a romantic setting it is a perfect setting like i want to Mm -hmm. guys you know we've all been stuck inside for just about a year now just send me to naboo to the lake country i will lie on the sand damn it once again the plan is dumb sending them to the most beautiful romantic place in the galaxy A million percent, I agree with that. Also, we were remiss. We did not mention that, like, amazing gondola speeder from Naboo in our favorite ships. That is, like, one of my favorites ever. Oh, um, yeah. Where, like, Padme steps out of that gondola in that amazing, like, ombre lake dress. Yeah. Whew, that is a whole mood. It is yeah. amazing. Um, she was so, yeah. serving up looks left and right at the lake. You know mm-hmm. what? Can we... I, I'm gonna add an untouchable here that's not in the script, but the costume department yeah. brought absolutely it in yeah. this movie. Oh yeah. Like, mm-hmm. wow. It Padme's looks are unparalleled. Anakin's looking great. Obi-Wan's looking great. Everybody is looking Jacosta new, looking <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> So I love good. her robes. She looks so cool. Yeah. Oh my god. It's just, I have it's a very good. distinct memory of the special features from the DVD of this movie. And uh, Natalie Portman's talking about all the costumes. And she says that, you know, oh, I guess, you, you know, I turned 18. So they're letting me show some skin now. And uh, I get to show off my tummy because <laughs> she yeah. does. She shows up. She has abs during that yeah. arena. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I like she- that outfit a lot. That not, outfit's amazing. Not when it gets torn up. I like it when it's intact, but I, yeah. <laughs> it's okay when it gets torn up too, Colleen. She Let's... does look great. She does look great. But of course, like we don't mm-hmm. get to see naked Anakin yet. Like we don't get a, a female gaze moment. <laughs> we'll we'll get there soon. We'll get there soon. Just one more movie, Colleen. Next week. Right. <laughs> Next week we get that. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean the, the whole the whole romance is just untouchable for me because it's my favorite. I am obsessed with the like love declaration on that like carriage thing before they go to their certain deaths. And like of course their wedding by the lake is great. She has a questionable choice of veil, but it you know, whatever, it's fine. <laughs> their wedding scene is very beautiful. And that's where beautiful. they they gift each other C3PO and R2. That's like their witnesses and their kind of husband wife gifts even though they're like is that okay with you guys can we like switch places oh that is what i i think i forgot to mention this in mine the i love the whole ending battle 3po stuff during that though was just it was tough this time Um, like we were a little we're we're a little too ridiculous yeah yeah Yeah. right with like the head popping off and stuff like that yeah no I, i can agree with that i have to say like my favorite banter in this i love all of it but the diplomatic negotiations aggressive negotiations thing is just that's like, funny that, that's that actually yeah i like that it's just it's so good everything and that's another great. great moment where their chemistry does actually yeah. get a chance to yes. shine through yes. they do better when they're doing romantic comedy and not tragedy yes. like they yeah. do exactly so much with that it just like it sizzles in that meadow like <laughs> she's just like giggly and then like the stupid like riding those creatures thing is just crazy that's that's some wild that was a wild choice but that's fine okay my unbearables i don't have that many because obviously this is my favorite star wars and i think it's perfection as it is besides the cgi that doesn't hold up i like kind of a problem with padme immediately standing back up when she falls out of that ship like not all she was just in the arena she just got like torn up by a freaking cat creature thing that just clawed at her. She's been like 
I don't know, awake for how long? Who knows? She falls out of the ship, rolls in the sand, and she's like, I'm fine. Like, let's go. Like, what? <laughs> no, no. Like, what? you definitely broke your leg. Like, what's happening? So that was crazy. For her, the sand rejuvenates her. That's right, yeah. <laughs> she loves sand. <laughs> and then the only thing in this rewatch where I was like, this is the same issue that I have with Harry Potter in Order of the Phoenix is just like too much moodiness. And like Anakin is older than Harry at this point. Like Harry was only 15, but Anakin is supposed to be 19. And it's just like, it's too much. And I understand they're like really making him keep his emotions in check and he's not good at that. And obviously like he's very distraught about his mother, which I think is you know, one of the most beautiful through lines of this movie, just like how much he loves Shmi and how much he misses her and has nightmares about her. But like the whole scene where she's packing is just too much, you know, in many ways, I'm better than him talking about Obi-Wan and yeah. you know, the whole he's holding me back thing is just like, this is too much. And like, I don't think, and again, I love Hayden. I don't think he sold this in the right way. It just came off like very whiny and not like mm-hmm. he yeah just like not thoughtful about it but you know that that's really my only thing it was just like a lot of hubris and it just wasn't believable to me um but i guess we needed a lot of hubris to get him to vader so that's true so i'm glad you brought up the outburst because there's just one other scene that it drives me nuts when anakin is telling padme that he killed all of the villagers oh, yeah. from the tuscans and she's just staring at him like oh Oh no. Like, can we not get a bigger reaction from her? I like, agree. She, she's a humanitarian person. Yeah, and she's just like, oh no, my boyfriend killed a whole village. Um, I guess I'm going to get him one. some blue Not milk. just the men, but the women. Yeah. And the children And the too. children. <laughs> and the dogs. <laughs> yeah, so let me just go get him some blue milk, rub his back, it's fine. Like, no, Padme, no. That's, that's not what she would do. I, I agree a million percent with that take for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think she would react very badly or at least stay quiet and then kind of back away slowly. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. All right, guys. So this is, this movie did have a pretty difficult job. It was the second in a trilogy. It's also the second trilogy. So, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about with Empire, how it actually straddled that line very, very well, bridging the gap building on what came before. So what does this movie do to kind of build the franchise, build the worlds and call back to what came before? Um, I thought it was neat that we get to see at the end of the Geonosis battle that the leader of the Geonosians pulls out the Death Star plans mm-hmm. and then passes them off to Dooku. And I I never thought about it that too much until this watch through. But what a play by Sidious to be like okay we're gonna have the Republic attack Geonosis so the Geonosians are like oh the Death Star plans aren't safe here I'm gonna pass it off to Dooku who then gives it to Sidious just he's playing chess with everybody the whole time it's so cool Um, and then the expanded view of Coruscant because last time we just saw like the Senate buildings and the temples and this time we're going flying through the city we're seeing nightclubs we're seeing a little bit more vibrancy uh, to the city so I, I thought that was a pretty neat uh, way to build on on the last movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like I know we just called out my 
my main boo being a murderer but (laughs) (laughs) we do get to see the tuscan raider encampment which was really really cool because in the past movies we'd only seen like one or two at a time in the hills like ambushing people and so it was just cool Mm -hmm. to see like an additional civilization that like maybe we don't think about all the time but that was pretty central to this movie so that was Mm -hmm. really cool except for they tortured me and Mm -hmm. i can't stand for that yeah, no, but yeah. the slaughter of them did become legend. Like they think that that whole area is haunted. I think is it Tatooine Ghost is yeah, is yeah. the one that describes that. Yeah. yeah, let's go. Let's not go to the Valley of Death, please. Yeah, <laughs> let's just stay away from that. And so, building up the separatists in this movie too is something that we get. Last movie we had the Trade Federation doing. We knew that they were doing something shady with uh, Sidious and what's going on and now we actually have that full separatist council mm-hmm. and we also get them all named as basically big business we have the yeah. corporate alliance the banking yeah. clan the commerce guild and the trade techno union. the techno <clears throat> union the techno union that guy is so weird <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. getting that full council and laying the groundwork for what's to come uh was really cool and they're all aliens y'all they are mm-hmm. everybody on the separatist council is an alien here comes the prejudice later yeah. good job palpatine he was really thinking things through um we also get the origins of the stormtroopers at least presumably the armor is very close mm-hmm. this came with mm-hmm. a lot of questions later about if stormtroopers were clones which most of them know are not clones <laughs> we find that out mm-hmm. later but in this moment like flo said before for a kid you had to have been like Aren't those stormtroopers though? <laughs> mm-hmm. It was really confusing. Like, and there's so many of them. Like, seeing and the music they chose for showing whenever the clones were marching yeah. together was always like a little bit like, oh no, this isn't good. I mean, the end of the movie when they're all getting into the acclimators, that music yes. is straight up an imperial riff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh yeah, mm, not good. Oh. This won't end well. Nope. Um, the other thing that this movie builds on a lot, which is great, is Boba Fett's family history. Mm-hmm. I love Boba in this movie. I just like kid Boba, you know, not in Clone Wars so much. I don't like him there, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I like him here. I'm just like living with his donor dad, Django, in like their little pad. Um, I like kind of want to sit down and have dinner with them and just like get to know more, but um, him seeing his dad get killed at Geonosis was really intense. And mm. um, yeah, it was great to see more of him. Give us all the boba. We want more. Book of boba. Here we go. <laughs> yes, Let's coming this summer. Yeah. <laughs> we also get uh, in this movie, we hear Yoda talking about the growing hubris in the Jedi Order, which is very, very. <laughs> <Nice> <laughs> <one do. laughs> and Yoda. Yeah, it's it's and sitting Yoda. right next to him Yoda. in the Jedi Council. <laughs> Well, and Ki Mundi is also that kind of arrogant mm-hmm. Jedi Master guy. I mean, and Yoda also, look at yourself. <laughs> yeah, Check there's a whole role. lot of blame to go around. There's yeah. definitely a lot, and this will ultimately lead to their downfall. Yep. One movie mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. And obviously this movie, we finally get an answer mm-hmm. to a throwaway line from I think it's mentioned it's mentioned by Leia, Luke, and Obi-Wan in the one scene in Obi-Wan's house way back in episode four. Like, you fought in the Clone Wars? Yeah, I was in the Clone Wars. 
oh yeah, you were in the Clone Wars. And we finally understand what this is, what this means. Mm -hmm. I remember being a kid and being like, what's the Clone Wars? I think and I was way too young Colleen... to have actually noticed the uh, noticed the, the reference. That's when Colleen began writing fan fiction. Ooh, it was probably <laughs> not that long after. <laughs> In addition to the full franchise, this movie also gives us some insights into some new Force abilities and the actual makeup of the Force itself. Daniel, what's one of the... I, I would actually probably call this one the coolest. <laughs> Yeah, so we get to see Yoda channeling his uh, big Uncle Iroh energy when he takes the, the Force Lightning in and then redirects it back at Dooku. We've yeah. never seen that before because last time we saw Force Lightning was all the way back in Return of the Jedi and Luke is just getting blasted. He has no defense to it. And Yoda's out here catching it like it's a baseball, no problem. Throw it right back. That's also That's just... That whole lie where he like just keeps taking it in and then makes it go away. Mm -hmm. Just that much to learn you still have. I don't think Yoda wonderful. has a middle finger, but he would absolutely be flipping it <laughs> up if he did at that point. Yoda got his oh, little yeah. sass in. I loved it. Oh, yeah. Well, and Dooku was actually his Padawan, too. So it's mm -hmm. like very true. Even more layers upon layers of relationships that are happening and being destroyed here. Because mm -hmm. I'm sure Yoda doesn't want to believe that Dooku could be a Sith or could be a dark side user. But now it's pretty blatantly obvious. <laughs> he just yeah. Yeah. force lightning if at you're me. Throwing so. around He's got like a red that. saber. I mean, he just chopped off Anakin's arm. So yeah. <laughs> let's just uh, put that out there real fast. <laughs> rude, very rude, Dooku. <laughs> and speaking of Yoda, we get to see him training the younglings, which is adorable. Because Yoda mm -hmm. is at heart a teacher. Like he wants to teach. Last film, we saw the kind of master Padawan dynamic, but now we get to see them like before they have their masters and they're so cute <laughs> with their little, little training sabers. And, oh my God. Oh my oh. God. And Yoda interacting with them is so cute. Like he speaks to them like they're adults, mm -hmm. which is nice. Like, can you talk to Anakin like he's an adult then please? <laughs> Cause he actually is an adult. <laughs> and also having the younglings just school Obi-Wan on that galactic map situation he's like duh yeah because it's been erased from the archives obi-wan <laughs> master <laughs> i love that master i just i'm obsessed <laughs> with that scene too i think it's so great obviously i'm a teacher of like little tiny ones and so this is like very near and dear to me and i i also kind of feel like seeing yoda in this light makes you like yoda so much more because he is so yeah. good with them. Like, mm -hmm. he's just fabulous with them. And so, you know, maybe he shouldn't be talking to Anakin as much. Or maybe, like, he should have a different position on the council. But <laughs> uh -huh. he's really, really good at this. Like, he's obviously great. And the kids love him. So that was that was so sweet. Yeah. And we also get in this movie. So Qui-Gon told us in Phantom Menace that Anakin could see things before they happened, which is why he has great reflexes. So this kind of precognitive ability is what the Jedi use to great effectiveness. But in this movie, we take it to a whole new level when we have things like Anakin diving through a window or out of a, out of a speeder while it's moving and being able to time that to the point where he would land in the right place at the right yeah. time. When he just pops out, I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> where is he going? 
Well, and we know that's not the first time because Obi-Wan says, I hate it when he does that. And it's like, <laughs> okay. That, what he, that line actually like flashed back uh, to me to um, a lot of old like Batman cartoons mm-hmm. when someone will turn around yeah. and when they turn back, Batman's just gone. And they're just like, oh, damn. <laughs> okay, so Batman oh, is a man. Jedi. <laughs> yeah, could be. Confirmed. <laughs> At least force sensitive with his reflexes like that. Yes. <laughs> Well, all right, guys, I think that is where we are going to wrap up our main discussion for today. So moving into recommendations, this is where we give you guys some recommendations for content that you might enjoy if you loved this movie. Colleen, do you want to kick us off? Heck yes. Obviously, please immediately go watch Dave Filoni's Clone Wars animated Mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. The series fills in all the holes in between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. It starts out a bit unevenly, as Flo knows, but in the end, you will just be sobbing at season seven along with me who sobbed readily through the last four episodes (laughs) i mean you do get to see anakin and padme planning a dinner party which is my favorite that is hysterical because he's just trying to help and she's like you're not helping i like that episode like the anakin padme stuff in clone wars makes you realize why they're a couple yeah it's so much better in the the end with rush clovis and things get a little bad but it just doesn't give us enough of it. Like, I just need a whole season of just them or like, I need to pick and choose my episodes maybe. But yeah. like, I just need Anakin Padme love. Well, it's hard because they're separated for most of it. I mean, he's right. in the mm-hmm. outer rim usually being a general and she's back on Coruscant or doing senatorial mission stuff. Oh, so they are apart a lot, but it makes more sense their love story and makes Revenge of the Sith sadder. So if you watch Clone Wars, yeah. Revenge of the Sith will hit really hard. Next. Well, and who who doesn't love a good long distance relationship? So <laughs> I mean, it works for them for that amount hey, of time. Hell yeah, it works. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm-hmm. Next, Flo, you would love this one: "Dark Disciple" by Christy Golden. It is sexy. Right. This is like some steam coming off of this book. It's perfection. It's set at the end of the Clone Wars. Focuses on former assassin Asajj Ventress, Ma Queen, and Jedi Master Quinlan Boss, who is basically Davi Diggs as a Jedi. Like, please give us this at some point, Lucasfilm, please, Lord. And they're trying to take down Count Dooku. So you get even more Dooku characterization, which is good. I could not believe, though, that Disney was okay with how much heat this book has. They basically were like, ah, sure. Have have them having sex, like, for most of the book. That's fine. Ventress can order me around any day, anytime. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now we've got Anders in leather on Naboo by a fire <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be on Dathomir in leather in this. there you go <laughs> which is also just fine oh man and then next of course if you're interested in Mace Windu I'm not as much but you might be try Shatterpoint which is a Legends mm. novel it showcases his unique Jedi ability which I don't really want to go into because it's kind of spoilery but he does have a really cool extra Jedi ability. It's written by one of my favorite Star Wars authors, Matt Stover. So he's, it is a very good read. It just, it's like, dang it, I have to read about Mace. Fine. (laughs) Oh man. Well, you've got these nice recommendations and here I am dedicating my recs this week to uh, sequels that had interesting premises, but failed to live up to it. Wonder (laughs) why I'm giving that explanation. Uh, So I said, uh, you know, how about Thor 2? Uh, if you're a fan of Marvel, I, Christopher Eccleston as a like the the villain, let's go. And then he's 
just the most flat character you can imagine. The Godfather three, in essence, sounds great. You know, you come back to to uh, to the him at the end of his life, and no, no, not great. And then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, if you're an Indiana Jones fan, like <laughs> Crystal Skulls and aliens and the Russians, like let's go. Like, I mean, no. and Shia LaBeouf, yeah, and Shia LaBeouf, and, and none of it, none of it was good. None. So yeah, if it's you want to, if you want to have a disappointing sequel. Watch any of the three movies I brought up. <laughs> All right. Well, so every week I pretty much recommend the novelization of the movie, but this is the one, guys, mm-hmm. that I am going to try and sell the hardest. The novelization of Attack of the Clones by R.A. Salvatore is phenomenal. It is absolutely mm. amazing. R.A. Salvatore is an really good, insanely good fantasy writer. Um, if anyone's read any of his stuff from Forgotten Realms, Dark Elf Trilogy, all that stuff. The extra stuff that is in this book is so good. All those scenes with Padme's parents are there. The romance scenes actually play off a lot better when you're just reading them in the book. They are given a little bit of room to breathe, some extra description that kind of sets the mood a little bit better. His description of the fight scenes, the final lightsaber battle, is insane it's so good the way he describes how anakin and dooku are moving you get some details about dooku's fighting style the fact that he was in fact a fencer which mm-hmm. lent itself much better mm-hmm. to parrying lightsaber attacks than the big wide energy blaster weapon deflections the way he describes anakin having the two lightsabers this is actually one of the things i love that scene in the movie but having read it, I'm like, why isn't this longer? Why does this last all of two seconds with this? Yeah. This should be going mm-hmm. a lot longer and a lot more intense. So That's please pick up intense. the book. Uh, the other one I'm going to recommend is Queen Shadow by E.K. Johnson. This is the second in her Padme Amidala trilogy, which tells the story. It starts out on Padme's last day as queen and transitions into her initial time as a senator. Again, it focuses on the relationship with the handmaidens and how they all work as a unit and how she had to kind of learn how to navigate the Senate, the beginnings of her relationship with Bon Mothma and Bail Organa. And it's really, really cool to kind of see how she got to where she is at the start of this movie. And then the last one, if you are interested in some of that dark side stuff, Check out Dooku Jedi Lost by Kevin Scott. It's up as an Audible original with the full cast, or you can buy it as a book, kind of a script book, uh, telling his history, his story, the reasons he left the Jedi Order, and kind of everything else in that, in those details. Also some other great Ventress content, which I will always take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you will. <laughs> um, okay, so my recommendations are all very very sappy because i'm obsessed with the romance in this movie so i picked some hot content for you guys so if you've been lonely during quarantine you know just enjoy these (laughs) um the first one is if you have been living under a rock and have not watched bridgerton yet you need to go watch bridgerton immediately um it's giving us exactly what we need in this late stage of quarantine there's a lot of banter a lot of sex (laughs) It's exactly what we wanted from Attack of the Clones, but didn't always get. So Bridgerton mm-hmm. delivers. Shout out to the spoon licking scene, which <laughs> Anders missed on his watch, and I will never forgive him for it. <laughs> I, st- I had to go back. I was like, what is this? <laughs> what the fuck? 
When does he lick a spoon? Oh man, (laughs) I rewound numerous times. (laughs) And honestly, that scene might play even better than the pear cutting scene. And I stan the pear cutting scene. So yeah. Um, My second recommendation is the ultimate we can't be together because it would destroy us both movie. Boz Lerman's Romeo plus Juliet, which I don't know if you guys have rewatched it recently, but I like went down a YouTube rabbit hole a couple weeks ago and like landed on some just like scenes from the movie. My God, that movie is hot. Uh, Young Leo DiCaprio, young Claire Danes, just like bringing the heat. Harold Perrin. I just funny because I think they actually hated they hated each other filming that movie. Really? Well, they hit it really well because that movie sizzles. And along with Attack of the Clones, this was definitely my sexual awakening movie. And for the record, I did not watch Romeo and Juliet when it came out in 96 <laughs> because I was six years old. So I was awakened later than that, but I definitely have the DVD. And God, that pool scene is just, whoo! <laughs> I have no idea how I was allowed to watch that in my high school English class. Like why I was so surprised that public school let that be played. They watched that. It was we did too. We had a field we had a field trip in eighth grade to go see a stage production of this, which if you want to talk mm-hmm. about tight leather, there was a lot of tight leather yeah. in this show. <laughs> um, but I was in eighth grade and I found out that the kids who couldn't go on the field trip watched this while they were back at school. Wow. Mm. Well, yeah, in my, we did Romeo and Juliet in sixth grade and we watched the like way older movie where like, there's definitely like boobs. Mm -hmm. And I just Mm -hmm. remember my teacher like standing up on a chair and holding a piece of like random paper over the TV. And like, you could definitely see through it because it's a TV, like it's backlit. Like, what are you talking about? I was so stupid. Um, But this, this version is definitely the hottest version. I'm, and another amazing soundtrack. So Mm -hmm. if you want a great soundtrack, the Romeo plus Juliet soundtrack is great. And then finally, I'm going to give you a completely smutty shout out and shout out to friend of the pods, Nicole, (laughs) who also read this and also our wonderful BGS co-host, Sarah, who has also read this. This is a very smutty book. One of the best romances I've read in quarantine. It is called This is War by Kennedy Fox. And I am just a sucker for forbidden love. So if you want a hot, modern forbidden love, pick it up. It's on Amazon. I don't know. You can get it on your Kindle. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> Yay. Forbidden love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That always works out for the best. Yeah. Yeah, time. exactly. Totally. Every totally. It's fine. Whatever. Don't be like that. Hey, if there was communication <laughs> with anyone, I think Anakin and Padme probably could have made things work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they weren't being totally. If Hera had been around. <laughs> yes. Yeah. If Space Mom had been around, I'm mean, like. No, we need to talk about things. No, Hera would have been like, go get me some fruit. I don't (laughs) (laughs) Probably considering how old she was during this point, she would have been like, where's my Melun run? Oh, man. I think that's a good place to end talking about Space Mom. (laughs) Totally. Love her. Our our queen, Hera Syndulla. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at yet another Star Wars pod. Follow us wherever you get your podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple. Hit that subscribe button real hard. Check out all of our offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Anders, Flo, and I on the Bohemian Geek Studies podcast, where we are currently diving into Star Wars Rebels. 
Woo, watch Rebels. We can also find my Star Wars book reviews on bohemiangeekstudies.com going into New Jedi Order at this point. And then tune in again next time when Flo will be back. The return of Flo. That's it. With us to (laughs) defend Anakin's use of the Youngling Slayer 5000 because abs. Hey, he can do do whatever those abs. (laughs) As we discuss episode three, Revenge of the Sith. Thanks so much, you guys. Yeah. Bye.